Bob, are you ready? I am. Excellent. What is going on, everybody? This is your host, Britt, on Rookie on the Rise. And ladies, gentlemen, friends, I have brought to you a very, very wonderful guest for us, someone that I'm excited about, and I cannot wait to start chopping up shop with. Bob, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, young man. Good to meet you, Britt. Thanks for having me on. I would not have it any other way except perhaps in person and not over <laughs> this very frustrating technology type system. So I, or why don't you give those that don't somehow know about you a little little background on what you who you are and what you do. Um, I'm the senior editor of Football Diehards and Fantasy Sports Publications. Um, I've been doing this a very long time. Uh, I'm also a host on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio. Uh, I'm on part near seven days a week during the season, so it's hard to escape me even if you want to. Uh, and good luck with all that. And I'm on Twitter at Football Diehards. So those are the things I do. I love it. And then I see that uh, your sign in our Zoom photo says, ask me about my cats. So I feel obligated now to ask you about your kitty cats. Uh, they're fantastic. Uh, Ming the Merciless and Wally. Uh, Ming the Merciless is like 30 pounds and doesn't do a lot. <laughs> Wally is out handling business outside right at the moment. Will probably bring me in a critter at some point. I love it. I like to always include a question of the show into the podcast format because I feel like a lot of people struggle to separate the analyst, the person from their content. And this is kind of fun, unique way to do that. So I have a question for you. If you could be any animal for a day, what would you be and why? So cats have it pretty easy. Um, I'm supposing that would be the easy and obvious answer. I am known for my fondness of the cats. Um, I also have some turtles, though, and they look like they have a pretty chill existence as well. They just kind of show up for half the year and stand at the door until I throw them some scraps of something to eat uh, and they eat it and they're like little dinosaurs and then they meander on their way. They're much faster than I thought. And, uh, and that anybody thinks that the turtle is there one minute and he's gone the next. Um, I don't know. I could be a cat or a turtle. I'd be fine with either uh, animals in general, uh, except those that get eaten uh, tend to have it pretty good. <laughs> Yes, I, I love that answer. My fiance would be extraordinarily thrilled to know that there's another turtle lover I am talking to. Yeah, so, Sigmund Bloom too. So Sigmund Bloom as well? Oh, wow. All right. I better start putting that out into the brand, get it into the void of people, right? So I want to talk about rookies in a redraft perspective, mainly because right now is kind of that time, as you very well know, where there's really not a whole lot to talk about other than just these random flares of camp hype and just projections without really having a lot of information on our hands as the season gets closer we have more information to better guesstimate what we're trying to say and what we're trying to project so i wanted to talk a little bit about how we address how you personally attack rookies in your redraft leagues so what is your overall approach for rookies and we'll just do a very bland league one quarterback ppr type scoring what's your overall approach here it's very similar to my approach with all players. I want to clear path to workload first and foremost. If I get that, um, especially at running back, I'm not going to shy off away from rookies. They can be very successful. Sometimes it takes a minute, says Jonathan Taylor. Sometimes it takes more than a minute, says Cam Akers. But in general, and you know, and a lot of times, you know, I mean, look, rookies. Not everybody, not everybody pans out. So, to me, that opportunity is the key. Uh, I'm not what you would call a draft, Nick. I don't sit around to grind on tape and everything. 
I know people who do that. And then I talk to them and I read their words and it's very handy. And, you know, no more so than like Matt Waldman in the rookie scouting portfolio, <clears throat> big fan of him, talk to him often, kind of try to get in depth. And that's kind of how I do a lot of my dynasty drafting is, you know, the deeper players, primary guys. I mean, the scouting is not difficult. Oh, look, he has a helmet. It's this color. That means he's battling this guy for a role. And that means this coach is going to use guys in this way. So, you know, I don't want to oversimplify. I mean, I, it's fascinating. Their skills and abilities are all great, but the opportunity is always king to me. I, I like that. So when it comes to opportunity, I think it'd be pretty easy to say that you're prioritizing the running back rookies over any other position. Would you say that's probably fair? Sure. I, I think that's fair every year, right? I mean, yeah. you know, e- even, even wide receivers with opportunities don't all turn into Justin Jefferson. Took Justin Jefferson a couple of weeks to turn into Justin Jefferson. <laughs> uh, takes other guys longer. And like, I do like some of this year's rookie receivers. I like them better when they're second year receivers and better still when they're third year receivers and beyond. But, but there are guys that I'm, I am investing in a little bit this year, but I don't go too crazy on, on the rookie wideouts in year one, your, you know, your chances of finding an Anquan Bolden or whatever, are, are kind of slim, you know? And, and, and so, you know, I do, I think a lot of times we get caught up in redrafts uh, of going after the, you know, the thing that's in front of us, the, the flashy, you know, we're kind of fish, right? Well, you know, yeah. you throw the lure in the water and we all go chasing it. And I think, and not talking about Jamar Chase, because he is one of the guys I would actually chase. But, you know, there are players that I feel like you're getting drafting much later. And so the second component of this that goes with uh, opportunity is price, right? And, and because I'm old and mean, I'm also cheap uh, to go with those things. So, you know, I'm looking for values. And, I, and sometimes I find uh, better values on some of the veteran players with maybe better roles that we just overlook because, you know, they're not as flashy name or not on as high on the radar. Yeah. So that, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I the initial inception of kind of the, the theory of the show is that I, I just want to kind of set out a siren song to everybody that what happened in 2020 is not remotely accurate in terms of like a historical average. Like you don't see two wide receivers place top tw- or top 24 and one of the top 12. You don't see over five running backs. Usually it's, I think I did a article last year in the last 10 years, only six wide receivers were in the top 24 um, as rookies. And then usually the average was 2.3 running backs, rookie running backs in the top 24. And this year or last year we had five, I think like it was, I'm sure COVID played a role into it, but it was a historically inaccurate, beautiful, wonderful year. Um, which leads me to a point I want to talk about is Kyle Pitts. Now we all know that with Kyle Pitts, you're really at this point betting against history because he has everything lined up for him as what should be a beautiful, wonderful rookie season. So how are you kind of attacking that role right now in, in, a, in a redraft league? I'm okay drafting him. I mean, I'm okay. And they're got, you know, if I don't, so, I mean, I, in general, I'm not shying away from one of the top guys early. You know, and by early, I mean, you know, through the first four rounds. Uh, I'm not averse to drafting Travis Kelsey at the end of the, you know, the back half of the of the first as well. Um, you know, I know people are a little leery of George Kittle right now. I don't blame them. Um, I know people are dialed back on uh, Mark Andrews, so I'm finding some value there. I just talked to Jonah Schaefer of the Baltimore Sun Saturday night, you know, because I'm pretty much all in on Andrews because I always is. I always am. And he, you know, 
he kind of confirmed what you know, he, he looks even better, right? And he looks yeah. even more athletic. And I mean, the, the, the issue for him is going to be the coverages that he's that we saw him drawing last year are going to continue being an issue. But here's a guy that's led his team in receiving. Granted, it's a it's a low bar. That team <laughs> does not receive a lot, right? So yeah, but but that's you know, so I'm fine drafting goals, but after I get past there, you know, the Andrews mark, I'm kind of open to anything. And yeah. if some of it is pits or if he falls to the right spot, I'm okay taking him. I mean, seventh, eighth round, but I, I'm not seeing him that much now. I, I maybe saw him in some of the earlier drafts. You know, right after the draft, he was going higher. I think I, in the first uh, serious XM, we do a post-draft draft. I think I got him in the end of round seven or the start of round eight. I was kind of wow. – I, I was at a turnaround. So – and I, I felt like I was just being aggressive because it was the day after the draft draft, right? And we're right. all trying to plant our flags. And, right. You know, so so that's about as high as I've drafted them. And so I don't have a ton of shares after that because I think the price is kind of maybe a little higher in there, guys. Once you get past that first level, I mean, everyone's kind of taking their chances, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so we're kind of dart tossing as it is. So I'm fine if my dart hits him. I'm fine if it hits Irv Smith. I don't care what Mike Zimmer says. Uh, <laughs> shut up, Mike Zimmer. Or keep talking, Mike Zimmer. Thank yeah, you. Right? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, because the more he talks, the cheaper the price exactly. gets. Exactly. I'm going to send yeah. Mike Zimmer. I'm going to send Urban, Suburban Urban. And I'm going to send Anthony Lynn all fruit baskets because they are driving right. down players that I want. And I love it. Just like, love DeAndre. Keep talking. Keep talking, man. I'm loving it. Uh, so, I like what you're saying with Kyle Pitts because you're not one of these folks that are, I'm going to draft him third tight end overall in the fourth round. And I'm like, you know what, man? Like, I hope it turns out well for you because that is a risky bet. Right. So if, if you had your choice, I'm just going to throw out a hypothetical here. TJ Hawkinson, I'm not going to add in Mark Andrews, but we'll say uh, Noah Fant, Kyle Pitts, and let's say Logan Thomas. Out of those four wide tight ends, who do you think you would prioritize this year? Hawkinson's on the baby tier above the rest of those guys for me after that top four. So, you know, and, and I have some hopes that maybe they can make some better use of him this year uh, and that he can continue to progress. Right. So, yeah. and I think there's something to hang your hat on there, you know, as long as you don't get carried away and have these huge expectations that he's going to join that elite tier. Is it possible? Sure. Kyle Pitts could join that elite tier, right? I mean, it's yeah. possible. Yeah. Logan Thomas, I'm a little bit more worried about, just in general, the you know the spreading of the wealth there. They got some additional weapons. Uh, Fitzpatrick not a, not a lot of checking down there with that guy. Um, so you know, yeah, your JD McKissick shares might not fare as well either. Um, but but yeah, so and I, I think for Fant, you know, I'm I mean I'm okay. I like the player. Don't necessarily like the situation that much. And I think over time, Albert O is going to be more of a factor than people expect there. Uh, yeah. Again, you know, talking to the beat writers every week, Ryan O'Halloran uh, <clears throat> is great from the Denver Post. And and I kind of brought that notion up. And, and some of that maybe depends on if Drew Locke holds on to the job. They were college teammates, he and Albert right. O. So, right. there's, you know, but they did seem to vibe a little bit last year. So, yeah. but Fant, you know, the problem staying healthy, things like that. I'd, I'd rather wait till later and get Evan Ingram if I'm looking at Noah Fant, right? And yeah. take my chance way later and get much great value on Ingram. A guy who, you know, for as horrible as the season was, had some great opportunities. He just blew a lot of them, right? So yeah, yeah. I mean, he's fans got a fun, a fun projection. Yeah. So I, I'm I like without what I'm hearing there, um, which I guess is more of a personal thing than a, than a than an industry thing. So I want to really quickly kind of segue over to quarterbacks because I think we can all agree that Trevor Lawrence is starting week one 
Zach sure. Wilson starting week one. Sure. And then after that, we really want the other three to start week one. But like, let's be honest, NFL GMs have, or NFL uh, coaches have done stranger things than doing the right thing. So which quarterback other than, so we're not going to count in the two that are getting week one starts right. out of Lance, Justin Fields or Mac Jones, which quarterback would you be willing to roster for a couple weeks uh, to see if they get the starting job quickly instead of having to battle for them on the waiver wire? Uh, Justin Fields, uh, you know, just, you know, looking at the situations, a uh, couple things. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, if he stays healthy, the 49ers are in a really good spot surrounding him. Right. So, uh, and they were a pretty good team, you know, with him actually a, a really yeah. good team. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. so, you know, I, I mean, I, I think they have a little more leeway. Look, I think, I feel like in, in the NFL right now, the model for success is getting the rookie in right away. If you're investing in a guy, get him in there, get as much talent around him on that rookie contract as you can before he costs you a half a billion dollars. Right. And, uh, and it makes perfect sense to me, right? That was kind of a, the, you know, uh, uh, the Seahawks got that ball rolling, right. With Russell Wilson. And so, and I think it's a great way to do it and it makes sense to do it. And, and two, for two reasons, number one, you know, the, the cap situation, number two, I mean, what better way to find out if you have the guy than to make him the guy. And maybe it costs you a year, but I'm thinking this, you know, in this league, it's not an unreasonable gamble. And we've seen some rookies have some success, obviously, you know, look no further than last year and Justin Herbert. So, I mean, and, and so I think I would be throwing guys in if, you know, I, I talk to people who cover the bears on a daily basis. I talk to bears fans, um, Matt Nagy, they're after you, man. It, it, it's like they, everyone seems to, I mean, the, the, the consensus view is it's Mount practice, not to play Justin Fields. And I try to remind these bears fans that Andy Dalton shows up with a better win, win loss record than any quarterback in the history of the Chicago bears. Right. So, you know, and he's had some success, you know, albeit not high end success. So I think he's a, he's capable enough, but look, he jumped up and got Justin Fields. Uh, uh, and, and I know the, you know, the, the counter argument to that is, you know, oh, Matt Nagy was there in Kansas City and they did it this way. Well, Alex Smith was a playoff quarterback, right, or capable of being a playoff quarterback, took that team to the playoff. Right. That's a little easier to keep a guy on the bench and let him learn, <laughs> right? So, yeah. so I don't know if Andy Dalton is, you know, all due respect to Andy Dalton, if he's Andy Smith, you don't know who you're getting. He's the red red rifle one week yeah. and the redheaded stepchild the next week. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I've talked to some of the beat writers I've talked to. There uh, are really will be surprised if Justin Fields is not the week one starter. I mean, going throwing him up into the fray against the Rams to get the ball yeah, rolling. Interesting. You know, I know that's a concern for some yeah. people. I don't know that it would be a concern. I mean, get it going. Yeah, I mean, you. What did they say? The uh, the best way to learn is throw them into the water, right? Right. So. I think. I think all those guys are capable enough though. You know, so I'm just trying to divine the opportunity and it seems like Fields is going to have the first opportunity. I think, you know, if Trey Lance gets his chance, he's going to be fantastic. If Mac Jones gets his chance, he's going to Mac Jones his way to a <laughs> level of success. Uh, I just feel like Cam Newton is a guy we're probably overlooking. I know it wasn't great last year, just like with Tua Tonga-Vailoa, right? I mean, yeah. you th a guys coming into a situation, coming off injuries, uh, learning a new offense in an unusual offseason. I, I mean, you know, I don't want to make excuses for either of them, but, but Newton got COVID in the middle of the season. That was a bit of a speed bump. They had eight guys on the defense, you know, that opted out. So I think there were a lot of things that went wrong on the Patriots. And I look at Cam Newton, who scored like over 20% of his offense's touchdowns. That was second in the league to, to Kyler Murray. So 
I don't know if Cam Newton is as horrible as we as our perception of what he was last year. Yeah, you you can't really blame a guy for having to throw to Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers and uh, the other people that are very good from a ancillary world, maybe with a clipboard in their hands and a headset on instead of actually on the field running routes and doing plays. So I I like the Justin Fields call mainly because for some whatever reason he's just kind of being kicked. Like he's just being completely faded and punted away, which is bizarre yeah, to me like because he was by far the one of the most talented quarterbacks coming into this draft. And then all of a sudden he falls for whatever reasons we can speculate on. doesn't truly matter just that he did fell and then he was taken at pick 11. So that's a, that, that's a, that's a fun one for me. I like Justin Fields quite a bit. I can never seem to get him in dynasty, but I love him. So I'm probably going to get a lot of him in, in, uh, in redraft. So do you have any, I know you are a volume guy, a path to opportunity, which I mean, let's be honest. I think that's, if you ask anybody, what do you want? They say opportunity, right? Like, cause let's, that's all you need. If you're good, you need opportunity. Right. So do you have any specific kind of self internalized guidelines or bylaws with where you're willing to reach on a rookie? Like for instance, with your running backs, clearly you're not going to prioritize them above the top couple tiers. So does that mean you're like, you know, Around that round four, round five area, I'm going to start looking at maybe the Travis Etienne's and Najee Harris's, maybe like in the back. Once we get to the double digits, I'll start looking at some of these rookie wide receivers. Do you have any sort of um, theories about how you kind of attack that in your drafts? Nothing hard and fast. Look, once you get outside of, you know, uh, of, to the point where you feel like you're taking gambles on anyone or everyone, right? Like, you know, when I'm sitting there looking at Raheem Mostert, <laughs> you know, I'm like going – Man, maybe I wait around to get Michael Carter, right? Yeah. And, and and you know, so because I mean, you know, you're looking at the situations, and and I mean, you know, in his case in particular with the Jets, I'm kind of keen on not just the situation, but I mean, it's easy to overlook what he did in college too, because he was paired up with Javante Williams, and I get it. That's you know, he's not the big component, he's not the uh, prototypical you know feature back. I don't know that he has to be that. He's a huge big play threat last year. I think 23 plays at 20 yards or more. Yeah. You know, working in tandem with Jonathan Williams, who I also think is going to be an early starter. Uh, really? Again, O'Halloran talking to him. I know he was on the radio again this week saying the same thing he told me three weeks ago. He doesn't see any reason if, uh, barring Williams struggling to pick up the offense or, you know, pass protection, why he isn't going to be the 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 tip of that backfield spear right from day one. So, um, <clears throat> so I'm, I mean, I'm okay with both those guys at the right price. But I think that's kind of what it comes to, you know, once I get past the, the guys where I think, man, this is like the total clear path. Nothing is really on him. I'm looking at new you, Najee Harris. So, I mean, it's just, you know, and, and I mean, how could it be more ideal? A lot of times, so many times, I mean, I've covered the draft live for serious for many years now. And there's always a player who we think, you know, this guy here is the thing that we need. And, you know, it doesn't happen very often. In this case, it did. And, you know, we can go all the way back to, you know, the Mike Tomlin running the wheels off fast Willie Parker. And, and he, you know, he prefers one back, right? I, I, yeah. I was talking to Jake Seelig another night, and he's talked to Mike Tomlin, and Tomlin has reiterated that to him, you know, face-to-face. -face. And so that's the perfect situation. But beyond that, you get the imperfect situations. So you're looking for the guys, you know, with, you know, reason, reasonable paths to workload. Right. Yeah, of course. And so, you know, I, I think Trey Sermon is a guy that the price is right on as well. And I know, you know, again, sometimes I – 
pay attention to Matt Waldman. He likes Trey Sermon a lot, just like he liked Nick Chubb. He valued Nick Chubb over Saquon Barkley. Yeah, he had he had Sermon number one, right? Yes, he does. Yeah, so yeah. so I think you know, and like just for, so everyone's clear. I mean, he's not evaluating their for fantasy. He's evaluating their skills as a player at their position and the things they do. Uh, the, the position requires so yeah none, none of this guarantees any success but but it's a pretty good indicator so when you're getting a great price and maybe the situation isn't ideal but you know in san francisco at some point it gets ideal apparently uh you know jeff wilson already you know missing gonna miss time so yeah. i guess that's the thing you know it's if you can take raheem mostert who is a very nice man i've talked to him a number of times he's I admire his gumption and whatnot, but I mean, he's been on what, how many teams as a special teams player until he just hit the right spot, right. The right scheme and was able to take advantage of his skills and abilities. I think maybe Kyle Shanahan could do that with Trey Sermon. So there's a point where I'm willing to take a gamble on that. Right. Cause I don't think it's that much of a gamble uh, given the price point. So right. those are the guys. And I think that's tends to be running backs more than wide receivers, but maybe it is wide receivers. Some I, I'm, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it more a little later, but I mean, there, there are teams where there are players who I just, I find appealing given what they do and what I think the team wants to do. Right. And so I'm willing to, I'm willing to, I'm willing to throw my uh, draft capital into those situations. I like that. So for, for me, you know, uh, what is it? I stay conservative, right? So I'm, I, I got burned last year by playing the ceiling too often. I lost too many championships playing the ceiling like an idiot. So I'm, learning from that and i'm i'm keeping a, a solid floor in mind and i'll take the ceiling if it's there so first four rounds i'm sticking with people that i know are going to produce that i know are going to give legitimate ideally and hopefully injury free years and they're going to be consistent fantasy top 24 32 producers and after round at round five i'm just going to start throwing darts left and right my eyes closed not close but with a couple guys target in and i think that's kind of where you're going to start targeting those uh, I mean, I doubt Najee gets to the fifth. Let's be honest with no, that opportunity. There's out. no, I don't, I'm not he's sure he's going to make it out, making third. It out round one in the best balls. I'm in right yeah, now. no, I, I get it. I mean, like, listen, I could talk about Najee all day, but you, and I struggle with this every, almost every week is how much does it matter? Efficiency to volume because ev- eventually volume is going to outweigh how efficient you are just strictly from the amount of carries. Like, I don't care if you're getting 3.5 yards of carry. If you're getting 30 touches a game, then oh, there's a kitty. Then like, you're going to be fantasy relevant. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just how it works. Maybe not as much as you want them to be, but you're going to be relevant. So I, I like that at the fifth round. So that seems like a wonderful segue. I want to talk about some rookies that you're keen into. I know we've, 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 uh, we've hit a couple throughout the, the area, but what are some rookies that you feel are the most valuable right now in terms of their potential and where you can kind of grab them? Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, I, I'm fine drafting Harris where he's going. I'm not getting him as much as I like, because I think it's starting to get a little ridiculous, you know, as he gets into round one, that's a little bit, you know, I'm not quite going there. Um, <clears throat> look, I'm fine drafting Javante Williams. Michael Carter's a guy I've been targeting and trying to land. Um, I draft a lot with my serious co-host, one of my serious co-hosts, Mike Dempsey. Uh, we've been doing this together for years and we often are responsible for driving up the ADP of many <laughs> players. Cause you know, we get a thing for him. So we're doing that currently with Michael Carter. Um, I think beyond that, you know, in like super late, you know, there, there's a handful of guys that I think are worth taking chances on the uh, Javion Hawkins would be one, you know, just, I mean, there's just not a lot there. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, you're looking at that and, and look, if, if you're uh, if you're the the McCaffrey investor in your league, I mean, almost 
I, I'm willing to reach up a round or two for Chuba Hubbard. Um, beyond that, you know, I'm not like going out of my way to get anyone. There are guys I like uh, at wide receiver and they're all available way late. I mean, I'm fine taking Jamar Chase where he's going. I think, you know, in best ball, I'm kind of splitting that investment up three ways. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times what I'll do in situations like that, I'll take the cheapest component. Right. Uh, so, you know, if I'm getting T Higgins more, I'm fine with that. I'm still getting some Jamar Chase. It looks like I'm Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. I mean, I think those are fine plays. If you're getting them at the right spot, I'm not averse to investing in them. Uh, I think, you know, I think Smith may be better than people expect. Right. I mean, that you know, if you're looking for opportunity, clear path to workload, maybe he has a clearer path than even Jamar Chase. Yeah. I don't know that he has all the other great pieces right <laughs> we but don't know this year seems to be one of a year where it, maybe it's just happenstance or not but we're seeing a lot of players connected you know who are you know have yeah. some chemistry or, or some understanding of what the other guy's doing the and Travis Etienne could well benefit from that as well I just don't know why I'm not as keen on him I think he's going a little higher than I want to pay for him because I think James Robinson you know assuming he last year was not a total mirage and look I mean it can be with running backs right but I think he was a, he ended up being a very good player. They have other weapons this year. They're not going to use him the same way. So people should have set their, you know, dial the expectations way back for him, but he's not going away unless he's horrible. And I don't think he looked horrible last year. Uh, yeah. I, so uh, there's a podcast that's dropping tomorrow. That's yeah, that's what it is. And we were talking about Michael Carter and Travis Etienne because he had them ranked um, adversely to the most to the generic industry ranking. So uh, you guys will get a chance to kind of feel how I feel about ETN and Michael Carter there. But let's just say I like Carter as long as you don't have to draft him in the first round of your rookie drafts. And I love ETN just strictly because the receiving floor is something that I find extremely enticing, especially on that team. But to your point, I do think that James Robinson will probably lead the team with carries. This is probably not overall touches. Um, but we stranger things have happened and suburban urban has mentioned that he is a third down back. So, you know, it's coach big, but we gotta, we gotta pay a little, just a little bit of attention. Just a little bit. I'm, I'm glad you brought up JV and Hawkins. Uh, that is a player that I just, oh, I, I, I didn't, I didn't have any feelings about him pre-draft. I said, he's fine. He's not going to be highly take. And then he goes to Atlanta as an undrafted free agent. And it was like, Oh, okay. Well, Mike Davis wasn't, super great last year from an efficiency standpoint once he hit a large amount of carries so it was quadriolison and javian hawkins gonna get a little bit more action there uh, I, I, that's kind of how i i mean you know it, you could see uh you could see some crevices there yeah. that you can squeeze through right yeah absolutely absolutely and and devonta smith i mean let's be honest he's gonna get over 100 targets this year just because who else is gonna be there exactly isn't gonna be there and if he is then it's not gonna impact him and so really it's do we think jalen hurts is going to be more accurate than his what 55 percent completion 52%, accuracy 52 to be fair you know we're gonna be yeah so so like is it possible like small game sample size hopefully it's closer to 60 to 70 if it's 52 like oh i love it but like we're, it's pretty imagine, bad it's pretty bad it's pretty <laughs> but, bad but look guys get better at that right i mean yeah. josh allen's gotten yeah, better i mean exactly. and that's just one example so guys exactly. do get better so i don't want to sit here and pin that 52 on him like a <laughs> Like he's the donkey and that's yeah. his tail. But but right now that's where it's at. And so that is a bit of a concern. I think if you're kind of, you know, if you're if you're splitting hairs on some of these guys, right? right. So and, and I mean, look, you could split hairs on Tua as well. I mean, is he gonna be, 
the guy that they tank, everyone was yeah. taking for? Yeah. Or is he going to be closer to what we saw last year, which I think was not as horrible as people thought? I just think, you know, I think there's – he definitely needs to take a step forward, and so, so does uh, – so does our, the, the, I the, agree. And with, with, or with Waddle, you're, you're hoping, you know – well, not hoping, but you're, if you're taking him at – I don't know. I'm not sure we're going to have to take him. Probably in the late te- or early teens, you're hoping that he's able to show something week one when Will Fuller's out, and then when Will Fuller does Will Fuller things, he's able to step into that role when an opportunity right. is available. Exactly. So you know, if you're ha- if you're comfortable keeping him on your roster and not necessarily starting him for seven for a, a decent amount of time, then that's a good one. I'm I'm curious your thoughts on Elijah Moore, the one guy that has been absolutely just burning up. Every single hype machine, he is literally impossible to attain. I have tried since the drafts to hit him because I have him ranked so highly. What are your initial feelings? Is this kind of the OTA hype where it's like, oh, yeah, of course he's good because it's against air and they're not doing contact. So like, that's how this works. Or do you think there's actually something there that is reasonable and valuable to attack this year? That. I think uh, I'm, I'm on, I'm, I've been in that lane all along. I am needless to say – not as pleased as I could be with the development shortly before we recorded this, that uh, Jameson Crowder did agree to a new deal. Uh, would have liked to see him. I love Jameson Crowder. Would I like to see him somewhere else. Me but I, and they have a lot of guys that fit that, you know, slot mold there. So, but, I, but I think more is the guy that they seem to be doing things. And that's something we'll talk about when we get into my lineup here. I think the jets have, uh, have made some, have foreshadowed their intentions uh, by the players they've drafted. And I think Elijah Moore fits what they want to do. Yeah. I, and I like Amon Ross St. Brown in that same yeah, kind of regard, yeah, right? Like absolutely. mostly because he's a kneecap biter. And I think that's <laughs> what they're looking for in yeah. Detroit, according to uh, reliable sources I have. Mr. Campbell, uh, right? Jay I love Campbell it. Campbell would be the yeah. guy. <laughs> so, so and, and, and also he's a really good player. So yeah, I'm not, a, you know, I don't have anything against him either. Uh, I think there are more pieces there though, that can maybe dilute his, his workload and maybe, yeah. maybe not as many in New York. I don't know. I'm maybe I'm just projecting my desires there. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean with, with Amon Ross St. Brown specifically, you know, from a dynasty perspective, it's a little shaky, right. But like for this year, he seems to be a guy you can get relatively cheap, you know, cheap, but has a huge return if he's able to actualize what we think is possible because he was a good player in USC. He wasn't great. He wasn't lighting boards up, but he was right. a very capable and good player there which I, yeah. I, I agree. And Elijah Moore is just, whew. Yeah, I saw that. And I was like, this is cool. Okay, it's so like, thank you, Jets. I appreciate you getting in your turn to drop some value. I'm going to go resend all those offers again, you know. Uh, but I, I, yeah, he's probably one of those guys that takes, you know, the usual rookie route, week eight, week 10, where he starts to pop off and get there. And I, it's something valuable as well. Um, I just want to hit on a couple other names that I don't feel are being talked about very much that I feel that have some value. And just let, let me know how you feel about them. Uh, I, I feel that we are getting a little PTSD from Joshua Kelly on the Chargers last year. because yes, I know I, I am. Yeah, because I, I bought all in a Joshua Kelly. I went I head and heel. I was all about him. And I'm still I still have him because like I, I, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to hang on until the season. There's no reason to trade him away because you're not going to get anything for him. Like, no, not a fifth round draft pick, anything. So uh, Larry Roundtree out of uh, Mizzou, I feel like he is primed. He's like a Joshua Kelly-esque, but he's actually primed to take that secondary role next to Eckler. And no one's talking to him. I, I don't get it because he just seems to be that, that, that thunder to the lightning of Eckler. 
Would you agree I, with that? So look, I, yes, I, I don't disagree with that. I think Joshua Kelly can still be that. I think if I'm drafting in the last round, all these guys are available, including Justin Jackson. And so maybe I split that up a little bit. I, I totally agree that the round three seed and, and what's his advantage, what's his edge. He's invested in by the, you know, the current coaching staff is a, has a hand in him being there. Although Telesco, the GM is the guy doing the, doing the picking here. So, but I think, you know, so how many times do we see it? Just some running backs don't get it their first year. Right. And they come back the second year, Daryl Henderson. I mean, I, you know, I could name so many. Right. And, you know, that's one leaps into my mind, though, where it just takes them a little time. They don't live up to that rookie hype. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and look, we could say Cam Akers didn't. DeAndre Swift didn't. A lot of guys didn't. Yeah. And yeah. we have huge hopes for them going into the second year, mostly because we're more convinced about their role. We don't know that about Joshua Kelly. We don't know, you know, we don't know. Yeah. But the possibility is there. The range of possible outcome includes a – possible outcome of him being the guy we thought he would be last year uh because what do we do as fantasy managers we are a year ahead you know uh, how many times uh, have you looked back and said god dang if i would have just <laughs> dialed back he was a, we, a year away but he is the thing i thought he was so <clears throat> i'm still maybe holding on to a little bit of joshua kelly for that reason right. but i'm also going to have some shares around tree for the exact same reason you said because we've we've seen what that round what that role is capable of Yep. And I'm and Kelly and Roundtree aren't identical athletes or specimens. They are similar game, just different athleticism levels. But I mean, Kelly drops 20 point games strictly on a receiving role and a couple end zone goal line touches. So, you know, it's a valuable role. And I, it honestly, it's probably best to do the cheapest one available, right? Just like we usually handle San Francisco roles or anyone where there's a, a, an, an ambiguous sort of opportunity. You just take the one that either you prefer or the one that's going to cost you the least amount of uh investment early on so last one i want to talk about is nico collins Mm -hmm. uh now i want to preface this i am a very big fan of nico collins so the amount of bias that i try to take out of this statement is exceptional but i do feel like he's worth notice or mentioning because we all know that deshaun watson is not going to be playing for the texans at least for half a year probably not in general, right? More likely not, he's traded away and or serves a full year suspension. That seems a little extreme given the league's history, but this is also a kind of an unprecedented um, issue currently, a a scandal per se. So with Nico Collins, is he someone that you're kind of willing to let sit on the waiver wire? And then if you start to see an uptick in snap share, an uptick in red zone targets, whatever it may be that you kind of key into during the waiver wire bidding portion of the season someone you're going to bid a little higher on or is he someone you're willing to sit on your roster and kind of let stew a little bit uh, i'm probably not investing draft capital in, in redraft maybe in dynasty i am but redraft no uh, and we'll wait and see look i mean tarod taylor's not horrible is that going to be their quarterback i don't know i think so <laughs> it's a <daughter laughs> I'd be davis, mills. With davis mills yeah. no i would not be shocked if it was davis mills at some point <laughs> so uh so i'll just say tarod stay away from the team doctor he's not your <laughs> Um, oh, so that was harsh. Um, it's true though. I like, come uh, on. was last year. So, yeah. so, that, so yeah. So look, I think he's a great player guy that landed in not a great situation, but a situation that could evolve and, you know, maybe in the future be a really good situation for him. So like totally not anti him, but he would definitely be waiver wire fodder for me and, and not with a quick trigger. I like it. All right. Uh, Bob, are you willing, or do you want to play a game? Please. All right. 
Ladies and gentlemen, your master of ceremonies. Hello and welcome to the 2021 Rotor Ball Contest. Everybody, we are finally able to bring back the Rotor Ball Drop. I am excited. Okay, so this is how this inception happened. I thought of on my bus ride, how can I make things a little different, a little interesting, more uh, unique per se. So I thought, like, what happens if we take a DFS and a best ball idea, smush them together, make them into a little gremlin, and say you can only pick rookies with this type of lineup. So what Bob is being asked to do is he has to set a lineup of eight, one quarterback, one wide receiver, one uh, running back, and five flex. It is a PPR tight end premium scoring. It is not super flex. Bob has a budget of $22,000 and each player has a assigned value. Now the values are pretty much stagnant for the rest of the year. They will not be changing and it is a best ball format, obviously, which means that you can set it, forget it, and then see what happens at the end. If you win, you get a $50 donation from me to the charity of choice. So, Bob, what lineup did you end up with? Uh, so I'm going with Zach Wilson as my quarterback at 4250, primarily for the reason you stated at the outset, one of the sure starters from week one. Uh, hasn't been horrible in many camps. Hasn't been amazing. Uh, uh, I'm okay. It doesn't matter. He's going to be out there, and it's not a great team. I suspect he'll be you know, trying to throw the ball some. Trey Sermon will be my running back at 3,000, my first running back at 3,000. Again, I think we delved into that pretty deeply for the reason stated. Elijah Moore, same reason kind of with Zach Wilson. And so I'm also going to have, and he's 3,500. I'm going to have Michael Carter also on this lineup too. Three Jets. This is not my usual approach. This is almost like a tournament approach uh, in DFS where I'm maybe trying to differentiate a little bit because who loves the Jets that much? I, I know I saw Liz Lowe's that maybe had uh, Zach Wilson, so... But uh, but a tight end will be Kyle Pitts at five thousand. I think that's your you know your anchor play in this rookie class, uh, not at quarterback. And uh, and then I'll go. So that leaves me with three guys kind of in the same price range, that fifteen to thousand. I'll go Josh Palmer uh, for the Chargers, who you know I don't know if he's going to be a thing, but you know in all the guidance and of the world, you know can he rise up? Sure, and be the wide receiver three at some point, maybe so. Uh, and then I'll go with two running backs, Ramondre Stevenson and JV Hawkins, 1250 and a thousand. We talked about Hawkins, you know, he's two boo-boos away from having a role and yeah. Stevenson. He just seems like the kind of back the Patriots like in the end. So I, I thought Damian Harris came on strong. It looked really good last year. I think he's going to be a solid play. I also think he could get hurt because that's what happens to cut the players sometimes. So if that's the case, uh, I, I think Stevenson is a guy we'll see if Sony Michelle even sticks around and makes the roster. Yeah, and the nice thing about this is that unlike a redraft or dynasty, you can just put a player in there. You don't got to worry about what week to right. set them because it's going to happen no matter what. It's wonderful. Right. You know, and it's so perfect. This is a $22,000 a lineup, so That's I maxed out. It's perfect. It is excellent, and I love to see it. Bob, thank you so much for coming on, man. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. I'm glad to, to glean all the information from you because you have a ton of it, and it is incredibly wonderful. Uh, one more time, where can the folks find you? What do you got working on? What would you like to plug in? They can find me on Twitter at Football Diehard. They can find me on the radio, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Uh, you can pretty much catch me four times a week right now. Saturday nights on the Football Diehard Show from 5 to 8 with Mike Dempsey. Uh, it was Fantasy Dirt with Michael Fabiano, 6 to 8 or 8 to 10 Eastern. I have to do the time zone translations <laughs> in my head, and I'm not good at it. Um, and I'm on there two or three days a week, depending on what the week is. 
and uh, and you can catch me at footballdiehard.com. Also, look for our magazines. We'll have five out on the newsstands. As always, the Pro Forecast. It's our 32nd year straight year putting out the Pro Forecast, and then the Football Diehards magazine, Teach Cheese Traffic, all that stuff. I love it. That's awesome. So much information available at your fingertips. And we got it old school too, folks. Magazines are still relevant and they're wonderful things to read on plane rides. You can know where to find me, folks. It's on Twitter at VFFSamMan. You can find my Dynasty and Redraft writings on FFAffair.com. You can find my Devi writings on BreakoutFinder.com. And you can tune into YouTube at Devi Deep Dive to see Brandon, Corey, and I break down a multitude of Devi players coming down. We have a lot of things in the tank. And I cannot wait to share them with you. As always, folks, I really appreciate you tuning in. Your time is valuable, and I appreciate you spending it with me for the short amount of time. Have a wonderful day. Tell your loved ones you love them. That's it.